How many of you have been blessed this morning? Man, I'm so serious. I just, I want Jesus. I want my life to be changed. He's changed my life so many ways, but the fact that I'm still here means there's more ways for him to change my life. Man, I just, I want everything God has for me. Everything. And I'm so glad. Listen, because I want you to understand a little bit the culture of our church. Listen, we try to do church a lot of ways. Here's what we figured out. You want the presence of God to show up, you got to do three things. You got to pray. You got to worship. And you got to love the word. That's what you got to do. And you can have good, Philly good stuff. But the only thing that brings the presence of God and the power of God is those three things. You got to pray. You got to worship. And you got to love the word. So we're going to get into the word. I'm not going to hold you very long. But I am going to challenge you. Number one, I am going to challenge you to grow up in your maturity in the word. I am going to challenge you. And lots of times in service, we like tweet this to your friends, Facebook. No tweet, no Facebook. This morning, get your notes. And if it's somebody you need to give them to, minister to them afterwards. You got to discipline yourself. Think about this. When the people follow Jesus, they follow Jesus for three days. For three days. When pe people say, why do they have so many miracles overseas? I'm going to tell you why. Expectation. If you walk three days to get to service, God will show up. But now you got people who you like, you can't come to church because it's raining. Or you can't, God has called you to be in church here, but you live in Fayetteville, you can't drive up every Sunday. Or he's called you to be in church in Fayetteville, but you can't drive down every Sunday. No expectation, no supernatural. Why is this important? Because we're talking about the supernatural power of prayer. And only hungry people encounter the supernatural power of prayer. Tell your neighbor, say, only hungry people encounter the supernatural power of prayer. All right. So make this confession. Say, I love the word. I am a student of the word. And even when I don't understand the word, the Holy Spirit is helping me. That's our confession. Thank you, Rod. Man, I feel some. You the man. You just So we're talking about hunger, the gateway to the supernatural. Hunger is the gateway to the supernatural. We're talking about the supernatural power of prayer. I don't know what kind of prayer life y'all want. I don't know what you're interested in. I'm going to tell you what kind of prayer life you should have. In Luke 10 and 19, it says that you should lay hands on the sick and they should recover. It says that you should cast out devils and they should flee. Those are the expectations of the believer. It's not just the expectation of the believer right after Jesus came and went. You got the same Holy Ghost that he had, the same Holy Spirit that the, new, that the church of Acts has. But here's the problem. Most people don't see the supernatural because they don't have an expectation. He says, behold, I give you power to tread up on serpents and over scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. The only way you get to the nothing will by any means harm you is you become a person who is intimately acquainted with the Lord. There's a story in the Bible. Paul had been casting out devils. He said that these seven sons of Sceva, they went in and they were going to cast out devils too. And when they went in, the devils jumped on them and whooped them out their clothes. This is what the devil said. The devil said, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but we don't know you. Know what it says? They had not been in the presence of God long enough for what was on God to get on them. You want to hang out with God. Have you noticed that if you hang with somebody, you start to act like them? Did, have you noticed that? Hang with God till you start to act like him. Hang with God until you start to act like If you hang with anybody long enough and they got a little phrase they use, you use the phrase if you hang with them long enough. Hang with God until you start to look like him. All right, so 
often this thing about hunger, so here's the thing you need to understand. In the natural, people get hungry by not eating, right? That's how you get hungry. Some of y'all hungry now. When you come to church next week, eat breakfast. <laughs> Carry a fruit bar in your backpack. So in the natural, you feel your hunger. How? I mean, you get hungry by what? By not eating, right? In the spirit, you get hungry because you eat. So you have to eat so that it produces hunger. So then the goal of the believer is to ask God to keep us continually filled and yet continually hungry. See, here's the thing. When God makes promises to people, this is the reason a lot of people never get into the full manifestation of the problem. When, oh, when you are in a bad situation, people be desperate for the Lord. You can always tell people when in, people in a bad situation who know the Lord. They desperate for the Lord. You have church on Wednesday, they there. You have church on Sunday, they there. You have choir rehearsal, they come. They don't even sing. They just want to be wherever the presence of the Lord may be going on. The problem for most of us is that once we get out of crisis, we don't stay hungry. Most of the time, once we get out of crisis, we don't stay hungry. I want you to look at these scriptures. Caleb, they're not on the screen, so you're going to have to pull them up. Lamentations 3 and 40. This is the process of judging yourself. So as you hear the word today, I don't want you to think about your neighbor or your husband or your wife or your kids or your mama. I just want you to think about yourself. Lamentations 3 and 40. I want to read it off of whatever translation it is on my phone. Say, I love the word. Say, I love the presence of God. Say, I love being obedient. Some of you need to start saying it every day. I love being obedient. I love to obey God. Lamentations 3 and 40, it says, let us examine and probe our ways and let us return to the Lord. So it means that it's your responsibility and it's my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to be trying to manage Misha's ways and make sure she's walking with the Lord and her heart is fully turned or Lee. Or Victoria, it's my responsibility to do what? To search my own self, right? And to examine my own ways. And people who are in relationships, especially married people, here's where married people get in trouble. Married people always, if you know what I'm talking about, married people, you always know what your spouse needs to do better, don't you? Don't you? Married folks always know what their spouse needs to do better. Parents, you always know what your kids need to do better. So then let's look at Galatians 6 and 4. And then we're going to do this teaching. Galatians 6 and 4. It says, but let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. So let me prove my own work. Let me, add, let me talk to God. It basically means that you and I need to be in a situation where when we encounter the Lord, we're talking to the Lord about us. What do you want to fix in my life? What do you want to change? What do you want me to do? So we're talking about hunger. And so um, let's look at our first scripture for today. Hunger is the pathway to the supernatural. And so we got some testimonies because, the, you know, testimonies help people. So listen, if you're trying to cultivate your faith for the supernatural, you got to hang around people who have testimonies. You, you, listen, you will never cultivate your faith in the supernatural hanging with people who believe miracles are old school. You got to hang with people who believe in the supernatural. Do I have anybody who believes in the supernatural in here? Do I have anybody in here that has experienced a miracle in their life? So you got to hang with people and then you have to become proficient at rehearsing your own breakthroughs. What has the Lord already done? It says, um, let's go to um, Matthew 5 and 6. Matthew 5 and 6. It says, blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So the key to being filled with God is what? To be hungry, right? If you go and someone 
provides a seven course meal, but before you got there, you ate two meals from McDonald's. Now, even though the seven course meal is provided by a chef, he used all organic ingredients. He went to France to learn how to make the desserts. He went to Italy to learn how to make the soup. It doesn't matter. Why? Because you're full with something else, right? The reality of it is that the reason most believers aren't hungry for God is because you're full of other stuff. You cannot be hungry for God unless you create space for God. Here's the indication. It is the reason why I got a tw- I got f- we have five kids. I have a 20-year-old. My oldest is 20, my youngest is 9. When my youngest was when my oldest was 20, we fed her anything she wanted to eat cuz we was 23. So if she wanted hot dogs, we gave her hot dogs. And so as a result, we didn't cultivate her hunger for fruits and vegetables. But with the younger kids, we got a little smarter. We said, if you want your kids to eat fruits and vegetables, what do you have to give them? So if you want to increase your capacity for the word, you have to be a person who eats the word. Listen. I like having fun. I like TV. I like sports. I like movies. I like all of that different stuff. But let me tell you something. If you care more about when empire is coming back on than you do about the word, that's why you can't be hungry for the word. Oh, y'all, how many of y'all like empire? How many of y'all like scandal? How many of y'all like grays? How many of y'all like, we go find a show y'all like up in here. It's a shit. ESPN. How many of you like football? How many of you like football? And, 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 and I like football too. Like I like, I probably like football even more than Pastor Edwin because I like, I like um, college and pros. So literally on Thursday, I don't really want you to ask me to do much because I'm going to watch Thursday night football, right? And on Sunday, they were talking about having church at 2 o'clock. I was like, I can't have church at 2 o'clock. It's not in football season. I mean, maybe after the Super Bowl, but before the Super like after maybe in the spring we can have church at 2, but in the fall we got to have church early and go home because it's football season. So you like football season. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But here's the question you got to ask yourself. Let's say that God said to you that in order for me to grow you the way you are asking to be grown, the way that I want to do something in your life, what I want you to give me me this season is your football season. Ooh, and the church got choir. We need some moaning mothers this morning. What if the Wednesday night or Thursday night or whatever night it is that empire and scandal is come back on the Lord say, no, no, no. What I want this season is you can't watch it till it go to Netflix or whatever. What I want this season is I want your hour. Your three, no, no, it's not just an hour. See, listen, because I listen, I watch scandal, right? I watch scandal and I commentate, right? So after scandal is gone, I spend another hour dissecting what I think happened. But what if the Lord said to you, then I want those two hours? It's easy to obey God when he asks you to do what you wanted to do. Anybody can obey God Oh, if he says, I know Sparky like football, Richard. If he says to us, Get, don't watch golf instead. We're like, cool. But don't watch the Steelers? Why, see? No, no, I don't want you to watch one game for the Steelers this year. I don't want you to watch one Cowboy game this year. I don't want you to watch one of them this year, whatever your team is. I don't want, then, then here you go. Here you go, Super Saints. you like, that ain't the Lord. That ain't God. That ain't God. Oh, no, everybody don't like TV. Let me talk about some of the stuff you do like. Let's say that the Lord said, because there's some people in this church, they like Jays. Let, and, I, and you know when the J's are coming down and you, are, you got it on your phone, you know when they coming down. Let's say, and you've been putting your little money back for the new release. Let's say the Lord asked for that money. You don't get the fullness of God doing it your way. 
In Deuteronomy 8, don't turn there, Caleb. In Deuteronomy 8 and 3, it says he led them through the wilderness so they could see what was in their own heart. See, I think sometimes God will ask you for this thing, not because he really wants it, but because you need to know how much it means to you. You need to understand that it's an idol to you. The Bible says thou shalt have no other gods. And as Christians, we're so indignant about that. I would never worship Allah. I would never worship so-and-so. But you worship your husband. Because when you're determining whether you go obey God or not, you're looking at what your husband think. Or your wife. Or somebody else's husband or wife. I don't know however y'all do that thing. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that hunger is reserved for those who say nothing is more important than God. Hunger is reserved for the person who says, I got date night planned, we ready to go, but the Lord just asked me to pray. Now some of you, you be like, well we gonna go ahead and eat, then I'll pray. I'm going to pray on the way to the restaurant. Some of you would actually pray, but you'd be mad the whole time. I mean, you know he don't never take me on date night, and then the one time he take me on date night, you ask me. See, you got to understand that the Lord will let you see what's in your own heart. And, you got, and that's why it says we're going to judge ourselves. It says, so blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, because what's going to happen when you get hungry? You shall be filled. So the reason, if you study revival, if you study supernatural movements, what you're going to find is that anybody who gets supernatural, blinded eyes open, cancer being healed, AIDS being healed, limbs growing out, you're going to find that they have these three characteristics. They pray, they worship, and they love the word. So you can become that kind of person. All right, let's go to Matthew, um, no, let's go to Psalms 34 and 8. Y'all learn anything this morning? Learn how to be self-reflective because God has more for your life. Listen, we believe that God wants you blessed. How many of you believe that God wants you blessed? How many of you know that everything you want is not the thing that you should have? So, yes, you may be applying for that promotion right now, but what if that's not your promotion? Here's one of the biggest struggles for people in Northwest Arkansas. People come to Northwest Arkansas trying to get out. And because they come trying to get out, they miss what God is trying to give them here. For a lot of people, Northwest Arkansas would save your marriage. If you didn't spend all your time in Northwest Arkansas trying to get out. Why, why would God put people up here on this hill? To save us from ourselves. Because he's trying to get something involved to us. And some of you, and and, and I believe that it's the reason some people go and have to come back. See, here's how good God is. Let me tell you something about God. See, God will not tell you that you're stupid. He won't. He won't tell you that you're stupid. He'll let you go to first grade as many years as you want to. You just keep showing up in the class, and it's a new teacher. You don't even know it's first grade. It ain't Miss Brown this year. It's Miss Johnson this year. See, some of you keep encountering things because you won't let God deal with the thing in you. You think it's the other person. You keep thinking the relationship break up because of them, but it's you. You the common denominator. You keep, uh, every time I get this much money in my account, I end up in this place right here. It's not them. It's you. And when we're hungry for God, we don't have to keep going through. So I told you guys, I had got five kids, so I've been in labor a lot. Here's what I learned after the first labor. I would rather do hard and fast than short and soft. I mean, it's short and slow. Like, so here's the thing. If we go do it, let's go ahead and let's get it done. Pastor, is that true? I'm like, listen here, I ain't going to the hospital till it's time. When I go to the hospital, we go have this baby. 
I ain't got 24 hours of labor to give nobody. I said that the whole time I'm pregnant. I don't have 24 hours of labor to give nobody. I'm going to go to this hospital, and we're going to have this baby. Every single time we went to the hospital after the first one, here's what would happen. I go to the hospital. I say, I'm getting ready to have a baby. They check me. They say, no, you're not. You're not getting ready to have a baby. I say, oh, yes, I am. I'm getting ready to have a baby. They say, oh, no, you got a long way to go. They go out the room. About 22 minutes later, I say, you go tell them I'm about to have a baby with them or without them. Every time they come into the room, they go, oh, my God. What happened? I told you I came here to have a baby because I'd rather get it out hard and fast than all day. Some of you could get free if you decided you'd rather have your deliverance hard and fast. I'm tired of struggling. It's like when a little kid got a Band-Aid on it, you know they don't want you to snatch the Band-Aid, right? But it's really taking more pain because you won't let us snatch the Band-Aid. If we just snatch the Band-Aid, you could be into the healing process. The problem for some of you is that you are trying to control your own deliverance process, and that's why it keeps hurting. Just do it. You got to deal with yourself. Some of you, your life... I love y'all. Y'all know I love y'all, right? And if you're my friend on social media, you really know I love you. So the stuff I'm saying this morning, I'm saying because I love you. Some of you, your life is jacked up because you're stubborn. You're stubborn. Another word for stubborn is you're not teachable. You can always tell stubborn people. Now, some people are stubborn aggressively, and some people are passive-aggressively stubborn. Passive-aggressively stubborn people can trick you. Because when you tell them to do something, they say, Amen, Pastor. That's right, Pastor. No, 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 because I want you to show how church people do. They come. They introduce you to somebody. They say, could you pray over him? I think we're supposed to be together. I believe this is the one. They come. They say, can you pray? That guy right there in the white and yellow shirt, that one. Can you pray? See, he already with somebody. See, you see what I'm saying? He already with somebody. So then I say, okay, amen. Can, can you pray that the guy in the white and the yellow shirt? See, because people who stubborn, passive aggressively, they'll nod, but they go keep going until they find somebody to agree with them. So let me give you an example. We'll talk about fasting. Passive aggressive people, when we talk about the fast, you go clap. But when you sit down, you go look up the scriptures that prove you don't have to fast no more. Yeah, you go clap. Now, the aggressive people, they just don't want to come to church through the fast. They'll take a whole month off. They ain't going to come to church. They just not going to come to church. They're going to say, they going to schedule all their vacations and all their trips during the fast. They just aggressive. Some of them aggressive, they just be like, nope, I ain't doing it. But you got to determine whether you're stubborn or not. Because the Bible says that God has put the five-fold ministry in there, meaning not just me and Pastor Ellen, but five-fold ministry gifts. They are there to help you grow up. The people in our lives are there to help us grow up. Here's how you can determine whether you're stubborn or a little bit rebellious. You can just judge yourself, right? When you are doing something that you are pretty sure is not what you should do, who you call is indication of your state in life. See, I'm trying to get you practical stuff so that you know what to do with, all right? See, here's the deal. Growing up, well, at least not, not my whole life, I used to be real gentle, but around by high school, I started fighting, okay? So by time, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter by nature, you know, nurture, whatever it is. So somebody said, amen. Who said amen? <laughs> I'm a fighter. <laughs> So, so if I want to clown somebody and I want someone to justify why it's okay for me to do that, I call a certain person because they going to be like, where you want to meet? But if I want to live for the Lord. Right. I call Chris. <laughs> I do. I pre everybody call mother, she's, people, a lot of people call you. They be, be like, Chris, I want to bust somebody in the face. She go, what happened? And then she just she let you tell your whole story, and then she just say, 
well, what do you think Jesus will want you to do? Most people don't have a Chris in their life because you don't want nobody to tell you when you're doing something inappropriate. You ain't got nobody like that in your life. You call the people who agree with you. That's, uh, why is this important? Because I'm trying to help you understand what keeps you from being hungry for God. Because you surround, you don't cultivate your own hunger, and you surround yourself with people who share the same path you do. Like, I don't want to fast, so I find the people in the church who don't want to fast. And then we link up together and stand in protest against the fast. Until sickness hits us. And then we want the church to fast till Jesus come back. So you got to look at yourself, judge yourself. Tell your neighbor, say, judge yourself. In Psalm 34, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man that trusts in him. So here's what he's saying right here. If you ever do it the Lord's way, you will see that the Lord's way is good. And then you will be empowered because you did it the Lord's way. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you did it your own way and you messed it up? If you've ever been in a situation where you did it your own way and you messed it up, could you lift your hands? Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, say, now, why would you listen to you? (laughs) Now, why would you listen to you? Why would you listen to you? You have clearly blown it. You have clearly had a plan that on paper it looked like it could not fail. It was fail-proof, but it busted it wide open and it failed. Why would you listen to you? Why wouldn't you listen? People be like, well, I, I asked the Lord. And, and, and no, 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 hold on, because sometimes you don't even ask the Lord because you know what he going to say. What I have found about especially with people in Dayton, people, they don't ask the Lord. Because the Lord told you no when you sat down at the table the first time. and But you want to stay because he's fine. I'm going to tell you, fine don't last always. You better have something other than fine that lasts, link you together. Fine, fine. I know he got wavy hair, but he probably going to be bald later. You can't pick people like that. You can't pick people like that. I, I, I know she 34, 24, 36 now. But oh, when she had them babies. When she had them babies. So you have got to trust that when it comes to what church you should go to, when it comes to what house you should buy, what job you should take, who you should be married to, you have to trust that God knows what you don't know. Amen. Amen. Let's speed up a little bit. Come on, let's go to Matthew 4 and 4. Matthew 4 and 4. Why am I giving you so many scriptures? I know you're going to remember the stories because the stories are funny. But when you get home, you need to look at the scriptures. Matthew 4 and 4, because your life don't get changed by my funny stories. Your life gets changed because the word gets in your heart and it changes you. Now, we tell the stories for the reason Jesus did. I tell the stories to keep you from going to sleep on me. I tell the stories to keep you engaged. I tell you the story so you'll have a takeaway point, but it's only the word that will change your life. Matthew 4 and 4 said, but he answered and said unto them, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But how what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Some of you, you want all the scriptures about blessing and none of the scriptures about obedience. So I'm going to teach you a little thing that you can use in your walk with the Lord. In life, there are unilateral promises. Unilateral promises means I promise to do something, I'm going to do it regardless of what you do. Bilateral promises means I'm going to do something if. They almost always say, if you do, then I will do. Christianity is not filled with unilateral promises. It is filled with... With covenant promises. God says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. They are if-then conditions. Some of you just jump to the promise and skip the condition. So you're trying to take scriptures in Deuteronomy. You're quoting Deuteronomy 28. Bless going in and bless coming out. But he said bless going in and bless coming out belongs to the person who hearkens to his voice. What does the word hearken mean? It means to hear with the intent of doing. 
Some of you here knowing you ain't going to do. Others of you here listening for an opportunity to argue. But the blessed man is the person who learns how to hear God and obey him. Amen. So we got to create our hunger. We almost to our little steps. Here's all hunger really is. Hunger is just a place of humility that acknowledges that we need Jesus. That's really all hunger is. Hunger says, basically here's what hunger says. Hunger says, I don't care how successful I look to them. I understand that there is no success apart from him. So I will never let you pump me up to make me think I don't need him. So if I have to choose between what you think I should do and what he told me to do, I'm going to rock with him. That's all humility is. Humility means I trust God. I need God. I don't care how smart I am. I don't care. We tell our kids this all the time because we got some pretty smart kids. And I'm going to say it a lot because up here we got a lot of intelligent people. You got degrees. You're important at your job. People, you got titles, all of that different stuff. Trust and believe there is something in your life that neither your smarts or your money can fix. You will encounter something in your life that you ain't smart enough to think your way out of. And you don't have enough money to buy your way out of. And the challenge for many people in Northwest Arkansas is that you are investing most of your time in how smart you are and how much money you can make. And then when tragedy hits your house, you don't know what to do. Go be great in the workplace, but be like Daniel. And remember, your greatness comes from God. I got here by myself. No, you didn't. The truth of it is, is that most of us sitting in this room wouldn't even be in this room if we didn't have some people that was praying for us. Some people who was praying for us. You got a little grandma who went to the Methodist church and mission on Monday and she lifted your name up every Monday while you was out acting crazy. It's not because you so smart. It's because somebody before you knew God and interceded on your behalf. Now, if you do not, because, oh, yes, thank you, Holy Ghost. So here's the problem. So some of you don't go to church consistently because what you say is they made me go to church so much or church was so restrictive or church was so whatever. But what you don't realize is that church may have been whatever it was to you as a kid, but it built up a mama and a grandmother who knew how to pray for you. But you stay at home on Sunday, and so ain't nobody to pray over your kids because you're not getting what your mama and grandmama got. So you make more money than your mama, but you got less peace than your mama because you don't know how to hear from God. But, you know, I work so hard, I need Sunday off. But then... When they say they go lay off a thousand people, you saying, is it me, Lord? What we go do? But if you have been cultivating that, because see, here's what grandmothers knew. Grandmothers knew that we may not have enough, but I got a God who know how to make a little bit more than enough. You got a lot, and that's why you ain't never had to depend on the God that makes a lot more than enough. I'm just trying to help you so you can help yourself. And so... In your life, everybody in here who got a praying grandma, praying great-grandma, somebody, you got a situation in your life that you know should have put you in jail or the grave. Who got one? Who got one? You know why it didn't happen? Because that church that you didn't want to go to because you was there all the time, them little old ladies was covering you. But if your job and your entertainment, and your time at the lake, and your trip at Cabo is more important than your ability to learn how to pray for your kids, then who is going to block the enemy when he comes for your kids? Yeah, I, I'm just telling you what I know. Let me tell you something. Between us, I got three degrees. I have a bachelor's in criminal justice. 
I have a law degree, and I have a master's in sports psychology. He has an edu- uh, what you got? Tell him what you got. I don't know. I'm about to make up something. I don't know what you got. What you got? What? Tell He's smart, dog. Man, that dog's smart, right? Team smart, ain't he? Right, listen here. We real smart. But when we trying to decide whether our kids can spend the night at somebody's house, we don't ask our degrees. We ask the Holy Ghost. That's who we ask. We don't ask our degrees. We don't ask our boss. We don't care how popular they are. What we want to know is, is that person right there detrimental to the destiny on my kid? Some of you got all them degrees, but you don't know how to hear God about who you ought to be around. You real smart. Got black cards, black cars. But you don't know how to hear God. See, black cars don't get you access into heaven. You better know how to pray. You better know how to hear God. Amen. Amen. Let me give you these four steps to cultivate hunger and we're going to be done. Y'all learning something today? Yes. Listen, here's the reality. Some of you just need to repent. I'm, it's just the truth. I'm just here. Some of you ain't never come back. It's okay. Some of you will be back. It's okay. Whatever. It's on you. But here's the reality. Some of you need to repent for not going to church. You ain't doing nothing but laying up. And you're teaching your kids that it doesn't matter to honor God. You're teaching your kids that it's important to go to school and do their homework. You're teaching your kids that it's important for them to do well in ballet and gymnastics and basketball. You are teaching your kids that it is okay to have family time. But you are not teaching your kids to reverence the Lord. I'm preaching way better than you saying amen. Hey, oh yes I am. Oh, yes, I am. I am. I'm preaching way. And you ought to just repent. Repent doesn't mean you got to cry. Repent just means you say, we go do better. Some of you, you wonder why your kids don't mind? Because you don't mind. You don't listen to the Lord. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Well, I don't think we got to go to church. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's what the Bible, well, I hang out with my friends. Do y'all talk about Jesus? Nope, y'all ain't talking about Jesus. Y'all is talking about whatever. I know nobody like, you know, we don't like this new, but this is what will help you. We got our life group because here's the thing. It's great to watch church on TV. I, I, I love, I, I like preaching. I'm, I'm a church kid. I was telling Edwin yesterday, we was at his grandma's funeral. They service really different than I. I was like, babe, I can have church with anybody. I can go to church. I can find Jesus anywhere. It don't matter to me. But here's what I'll tell you. You can watch Bishop, Bishop, Bishop Jakes, but Bishop Jakes don't know if you hurt him. You watching him, he don't see you. See, the reason that God plants you in a local house it's so that when you walk in, because I see stick every week, I go, hmm, she don't look right today. That's why some of you ought to quit going to church hiding. You come in late, you leave early. You miss the opportunity to build community that somebody could pray over you and say, listen, I feel like you're going through something right now. I feel like you're struggling. Do you need somebody to babysit your kid? Is there something I could do for you? You missing that. And we need that because the Bible says that in Acts they got their greatest miracles because they broke bread and worshiped together. All right, so here are the steps. How do I create hunger for God? How do I create hunger for God? Number one, I ask God to give me hunger while keeping me hungry. Real simple. It's a paradox. Like, how are you hungry and how are you full and get hungry? Only God can do that. So you ask God. You say, God, here's the reality. I need you to keep me hungry. You don't depend on your own heart or mind to keep yourself hungry. Number two, you discipline yourself about the things of God. It looks like this. This is all our grandmothers was trying to teach us. You go to church anyway. You don't feel like it, you go anyway. You don't feel like reading your Bible, you read anyway. You don't feel like singing a worship song, you just sing anyway. It's just 
the discipline. Because right now, there are some old hymns that those of you who were church, that if we start to play them, you know all the words, even though you didn't know the words then, because you kept hearing them, and they come up out of you. So you discipline yourself. Number three, spend time in the word. Well, back to number one, ask God to give you hunger. Um, Matthew 7 and 7, you can look it up when you get home. It says, ask, and you shall find, seek, knock, and the door shall be given unto you. God don't just drop revelation on you. Here's another thing. You, you need to learn how to value people who know how to hear from God. You need to value people who know how to hear from God. You know, we've been married 21 years. We've learned some great things about how to be married and stuff. But when we're sitting in the company of people who've been married and they happy, longer than we've been married and happy, we don't tell them none of our stories. We just sit and listen to their stories. Because we're trying to learn. See, here's the challenge, I think, for a lot of people. The challenge is staying humble enough that even when you are the go-to person in the workplace, you remember you're not in the kingdom. You the expert in the marketplace, but in the kingdom, you're a student. In the kingdom, you're a child. In the kingdom, you sit and listen and soak in. So, number three, spend time in the word. I just showed you the scripture. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is why it's so important to hear from God. Because you need to understand, there are some catastrophes the Lord will save you for from that you don't know you're being saved from. See, sometimes the Lord tells you not to go somewhere and you get to hear why you shouldn't go there. You get to hear about the tragedy. You get to hear that the plane went down or traffic was backed up. Some stuff you won't get to find out till heaven. That when you listen to the Lord, he diverted you from something. Sometimes it's just you don't need to be there because you're going to meet somebody who's going to destroy your life if you get close to him. Just don't go. And see, people who live like that, you look crazy. Our, our kids tell you this. We tell our kids this all the time. When you ask us, can you go somewhere? We want to know two things. Have you done the things that are required in this house to be able to go somewhere? And what did the Lord say? The Holy Ghost tells you things to keep you safe. See, when the whole, you, see, some of you got a bunch of knocks and bruises that you wouldn't have if you had just listened to the Lord. Just like kids, you got some scars on you that you wouldn't have if you had just done what your mama told you to. Who got a scar that you didn't have to get? Uh-huh. You got a scar you didn't have to get. You don't, you don't always, people say experience is the best teacher. The Bible says the Holy Ghost is the best teacher. You don't have to have every experience yourself. You can learn some stuff from people who have gone through. You can learn other stuff from the word. Here's a great example. In the scripture, here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says that a man would rather live on a tin roof than with a nagging wife. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So you think you keep talking is doing something. You just making him look for how to get on the roof. All he's trying to figure out how to do is how to get on the roof. Because he would rather be on the roof in the elements than in the house with you always talking. Always nagging. Do you know why women nag their men? They need to be in control because you know that your destiny is a tie to his. Women, we, we, it, it comes back from Eve. I need Edwin to do the right thing because if Edwin don't do the right thing, my life is somehow impacted by that. But I don't ever get Edwin to do the right thing talking to Edwin. I got to talk to God and let God give me instruction. And when I let God give me instruction, see, sometimes you're talking so much he can't hear God. Or he can only hear God tell him not to cuss. He can't get no instruction because you talking so much. But I, I ain't just talking about women, men. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if you don't honor your wife, God don't even hear your prayers. That's what First Peter said. It says, so you praying for a promotion and the Lord like heaven is shut over you, buddy, because you have dishonored the woman that I gave you. Wow. 
So if everybody just, see, but you, did you, that's in the word. If you read your Bible, you know it's in the word, see? See, you need to, see, it is the nature of women. I know they're always outliers. It is the Eve nature of women to nag. So you need the Holy Ghost to help you not to nag. Amen. Husbands, do not be talking to your wife about nagging this week. <laughs> if your wife is nagging, talk to the Lord. And Pastor Edwin, don't say nothing to me. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Spend time in worship. That's what we did today. But worship is a two-part thing. Not worship, not worship is not just singing the songs. That is a part of it. The Bible says, let everything has breath. Praise the Lord. You may not have come from a church where you're used to standing or clapping or crying or, work or whatever, but your heart has to be open to worship. Because the Bible says, behold, God will do a new thing. Just because you've never seen it before don't mean it's not God. And just because you've never seen it before it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do it in your life. I'll give you a great example. I grew up in a Baptist church very, very, very non-spirited Baptist church, not the church where the lady was lifting her hands. That was another church. Very kind of very fundamental Baptist church. And so everything I knew about Pentecostalism and speaking in tongues and all of that stuff, we just grew up hearing that the people who did that was crazy. That's, that's all I knew about them. They were crazy. Don't go over there messing around with them folks, okay? So the first time Edwin took me to his church, he, he was Kojic. He was church of God in Christ. So if you church of God in Christ, and if you've ever been to both churches, you can imagine the struggle that I was having. And um, I, I was trying to be, like, respectful of their service and stuff, but after they had sung that same song for an hour, I was real confused about what was going on. I was like, I was like we can sing for an hour, but can we, can we sing something else? I mean, just the same song? What? So then I will never forget this. We were getting ready to get married, and there, her, his bishop came down. He said, I want to lay hands on y'all. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so I came because I didn't know what else to do, right? I did. He got ready to lay his hand on me. This the God on the truth. Everybody in the church, looking. he got ready to lay his hand on me. I went. Because <laughs> I don't know nothing about that. He had to put his hand on my shoulder. I ain't know nothing about that. But I got hungry for God, and I started asking God, why did some people have church like that? Fast forward three or four years later, I come to our Baptist church. We used to go to St. James because everybody used to go to St. James. I come up here. Pastor Edwin and I come up here. He, Pastor Hawkins, asked us to come and pray for people. Cool. I'm praying for people. They're falling down. They are falling down. The person who don't believe that you're supposed to lay hands on people and they fall down. The people are falling down. I know I'm not pushing them. They're falling down. I'm saying to the Lord while I'm praying, if one more person falls down, I ain't praying for nobody else. The people are falling. The people at the church are looking at me. I'm like, what the heck? That's when the Lord taught me, you don't control everything. You don't run everything. You don't know everything about how the spirit moves. To this day, when people fall down, my Baptist kicking in. I'm like, did they have to fall? I'm like, did they have to fall? Like, I mean, my, my, I'm like, can we get them a chair? What an usher circle that's supposed to keep protect them. And like, and I'm telling you this why? Because in worship, you will struggle to encounter God because God may tell you to do something you've never done before. He may say to you, come to the front. He may tell you to walk. He may tell you to lay prostrate. But if you've already decided how the only way to worship God, you will miss out. Next, number four, five. What time? Which one? Spend time in worship. That was number four, Caleb, or whoever's type. It. Spend time in worship. Number five is, and we only got one more after that. Number five, you have to repent. I told you earlier that repentance is to turn and change. You know what the simple prayer of repentance really is? It's to say, you know what, God, I don't know everything. I don't know every way you would solve a problem. I don't know every way you would touch somebody's life. I don't know every way that you would move. Heck, I don't even know every way you would move in my life. And so because I don't know every way, I'm going to follow you. 
And I'm going to be a person that if you tell me to fast this day or just worship this day or read this day or forgive somebody this day or give somebody my favorite purse this day, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do because I'm going to commit to following you. You just got to repent. A lot of times people conjure up repentance because you're trying to cry all hard, but you cry and go back and do the same thing. Like, if you got kids, you know this is true. Your kids don't cry till they think they're going to get in trouble. I mean, they weren't crying when they was breaking that stuff. They just cry when they have to stand in front of you. You don't want to be a person who just crying because you think you're going to get in trouble. Learn to be a person who repents early and repents quick. Here's the thing I'll tell you this, so just so you know, I'm under repentance. When the Lord has to send someone to talk to you about something in your life, he has already talked to you a lot of times. He's already talked to you a lot of times. He's just trying to help you from going under. Last thing, create an environment that supports hunger. We talked about that earlier. You got to spend some time in the Word. Am I telling you not to have fun? I'm not telling you not to have fun. Here's what I'm telling you. If it take you 20 minutes to drive to work, instead of talking on the phone, listen to the Word. Don't just listen to singing, because sometimes, I'm, I'm going to say this, y'all ain't going to like it, but a lot of those songs, you don't know they ain't word-based because you ain't in the word. I'll give you a great example, climbing up the rough side of the mountain. Anybody hear that growing up? In Mark 11, the Bible is real clear, speak to the mountain and move. Why is you up on the mountain? Why are you up on the mountain? You singing it hard. You singing it right. You ain't on the smooth side. You ain't take the trail up. You is climbing up on the rough side of the mountain when the Bible says to speak to the mountain and it's your move. If you don't know the word, you don't know whether the songs go with God or not. And so you singing and you feeling something, but feeling something ain't breakthrough. I'm going to mess with one of y'all new golden calves. I'm going to go ahead and kick it over for you. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. We not Catholic. We don't need nobody to take us. We go to the king directly through Jesus. What do we have to bring? Everything he gave us. Y'all saying, I take me to the king. You can go to the king yourself. You don't need nobody to take you. You just go in. All right. I kick your calf on over. Kick it on out. Get it out. So when you're singing songs, you need to know whether they align with the word because sometimes you just get an emotional high. Sometimes them goosebumps is just an emotional high. Do you know that all music can give you some kind of tingling? Sometimes you, that, that, that tingling on the gospel song, that's the same before you, you know, tingly. It's the same tingly. Right, it's the same R. Kelly tingle. It's the same tingle. It's the same Marvin Gaye tingle. And you think you encounter God because the hair stood up on your arms. Amen. All right, you come and do the offer? Come on. We've already got people saved and feel and feel with the Holy Ghost and repent. Pastor Evans go come, he go do the closing prayer, do the offering. And, um, hey, we're having Bible study on Wednesday night. How many of you blessed by Bible study on Wednesday night? Angel got healed in Bible study on Wednesday night. We're talking about developing confidence in God. You bring, need to bring your Bible and your notebook. We're meeting right up here at Life Connection Church on Walton. You should come if you're not doing anything. I mean, like, if you're not doing anything for real. Like, I don't mean, like, if you're not watching TV. I mean, if you're not doing anything, like, at work or at some activity with your kid, you should come. Amen. I be so tired on Wednesday. The Lord will refresh you. Come to Bible study. Amen. Come on, Pastor. that one.